You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Joseph Bunce. He is the Executive Director and CEO of the Baptist Convention of New Mexico, and we're going to talk to him today about preaching in normative-sized churches. And the first thing I'm going to ask is, what is a normative-sized church? Uh, His D-men from Golden Gate uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, now Gateway, uh, had an emphasis in pastoral care. So, Joseph, welcome to Preaching Source. Well, thank you. It is really an honor to be here. All right, uh, we, we want to get to what is a normative-sized church, and, and I've got somewhat of an idea, but, but you're the expert, and probably most of the churches in the Baptist Convention of New Mexico and even the Southern Baptist Convention uh, is, uh, they're not megachurches, uh, they're smaller churches, so uh, uh, what is a normative-sized church, and why the shift in the nomenclature from small size to normative size? Sure. I, I think... The- if we were going to define normative size and then even the churches in our convention, uh, about 50% of the churches in our state convention will average 75 or less on any given Sunday. Uh, Carl F. George says that of uh, the 320,000 Protestant churches in America, they all average, of those 320,000, they average about 80 a wow. Week. All churches in America, Protestant well, churches. Of, of, yes, of 320,000 wow. of those Protestant churches, wow. he says will average about 80. When, when I look at that, uh, we have to be careful that we don't have stereotypes about normative or smaller. One of the stereotypes that I see is some people believe, well, if it's smaller, it must not be effective, or if it's smaller, it must be anemic. And, and I would say, on the contrary, uh, smaller is just a term. It does not... Uh, well, put it in an old country colloquium, it, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Um, and when you look at that, I, I really think there's a, both a positive and a negative when you look at churches. The, the positive is, I, I like the term normative, we use the term normal size, churches more than normative, because candidly, the mega church is the abnormal. Uh, I pastored churches of all size in 31 years of ministry and as a pastor, but, but the thing that I'm very positive about and, and we got to be cautious about is nowhere in the New Testament is there a matrix based on the size of a church. You don't see Paul writing to the large church at Ephesus or the small church at Thessaloniki. Uh, that, that is more of a cultural emphasis in the church than it is the church's actual identity. Hmm. Wow. Uh, are, are there unique challenges that come to preaching in these uh, normal-sized churches as opposed to a larger church? Yeah, I, I think one of the unique challenges is there has to be authenticity. And in a pastoring both, both ends of that spectrum in my life, what I discovered is that relationship is king. And if you are not able to develop relationship, particularly in that smaller membership or normative church, uh, your ministry is going to be shackled. Uh, you're just going to struggle. 
because relationship really, really is the king. And, and part of that relationship is, there. I believe, candidly, there's a higher degree of accountability because everybody's going to know you. They're going to know your problems. They're going to know your, your nuances. They're going to know what you do well, what you do poorly. And so, well, let me just say it in this way. If you preach grace, you better live grace in the normative church. Mm. Uh, you know, the field I teach is is rhetoric, and, and Aristotle, uh, in speaking of the modes of persuasion, mm-hmm. ethos, the speaker's yes. character, he said was the most powerful mode of persuasion. And what I'm hearing from you is in the smaller churches, that looms large. The yes. speaker's ethos, his character, his walk is is absolutely in, in crucial to his success of his ministry. Absolutely, wow. with, without question, because they're, they're going to know when you hurt, and you're going to know when they hurt. And, you know, one of the joys of Scripture is it talks about weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. And in, that, in the normative church, because character is so essential, you'll, you'll have that interchange because they're going to know you more intimately. You know, in, in pastoring a larger church, uh, there were people in that auditorium I knew, but I really didn't know. Uh, my first little old country church, I knew everybody. I knew their kids. I knew their dog's name. I even knew the name of some of their vehicles. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Dr. Bunce, are, are there uh, unique advantages uh, to preaching in a smaller church? Yeah, I, I, think, I think there are. Um, some of those advantages, some of those distinctions that I think are very, very important is you're able to walk through life with these people. You're, it's kind of like raising kids. You get to see them at each stage of their growth. There is a there is a huge, huge value in watching your children grow up. And, and in, a, in the normative church, if I could use that term as we're here, I think you get to watch your congregation grow, maybe in a more personal uh, way than you do the, the larger church congregation. Uh, you know, when you and I individually see growth, it, it really gives you a sense of fulfillment. Uh, you, you realize you're making a difference. And, and that's probably, I think, one of the biggest struggle pastors have is they, they, they always wonder, is, is what I'm doing making a difference? And so particularly when I'm speaking with a troubled pastor, and I've, I've spoke with uh, hundreds, when, when a pastor's trouble in his ministry, I come back and say, okay, let's begin to identify the spiritual growth in some of the people in your church. Let's walk through that and see how God has used you to help them. That is, the, the benefit there uh, outweighs so much of the struggle that we have in mm-hmm. ministry. All right, how, how does this, this greater intimacy between the pastor and his people, uh, how, how should, in the normative-sized church, how should that uh, change ways in which the how should that affect the way the pastor prepares his preaching? Sure, um, I think one of the ways that that you would prepare or do your your preaching is to realize that the greatest distance I believe in the church is the distance from the pulpit to the pew. 
That's the furthest distance there is in any church. It's do the people in the pew believe that the guy in the pulpit understands what they're dealing with. That is a, if, if you can somehow cross that chasm and allow them to see the real you and see that Christ is working in you just as you're encouraging them to allow Christ to work in them, the, the, the advantage is just unbelievable. It is, it is indescribable. Uh, so, so that is a, is a huge piece. Um, you know, one of the ways that I, I like to do that candidly is, is, is I, I like to preach from the, as a text-driven message. I personally like that term more than expository, not that expository is a negative word, but, but I like the text to drive the message. And at the same point, uh, I like to preach from the narrative because in the normal church, if we can use that term, we see the narrative play out. You're seeing life stories play out in front of you as a pastor. Uh, you're, you're walking with the Jacobs who are coming from their crookedness uh, to a limp, to a walk with God. You're watching that in the life. And you're going to know their families. You're going to know their children. You're going to know their struggles with their children. Uh, and the beautiful thing about that is you're going to have an intimacy of interacting with a congregation you'll never get anywhere else. Uh, in the normative church, you probably are going to be at all the birthday parties and the anniversaries, as well as the funerals and the weddings. And there is just a relationship there that really is what it's all about. I remember when I was in seminary, one of the pastors that was a classmate had gotten called to a larger church. Uh, well, it was not a mega church by no means, but, but they were running about 350 at that time. And for seminary students, that was big church. You know, you, got, you get to a church of 350. But I, I used to watch him, and he was actually from Mississippi. And he said to me one day, uh, as we were riding into class together, he said, I'm going to resign next week. And I said, Mike, why? Why in the world are you going to resign? He said, because I want to go back where I can personally attend to the care of my congregation. And in a church of this size, I can't personally do that. Now, some people may say, well, you know, you need to, to change your own philosophy. But, but I think really the shepherd concept was predominant in what he was saying. Mm. So, uh, I would think in a normative-sized church uh, that a pastor who is especially attentive to application in his sermon, that there might be a, more of an immediacy and, and obvious application. Do you find that the case? Yeah, I, I, think, I think I would say be careful at this point. You don't want the congregation's problems to drive your preaching. Uh, that, that would be an error because at that point, you would really, you would really make a, a critical mistake in, in my belief. Uh, that's why I, I would say preach through books uh, and preach through narratives. Preach, preach in such a way that people see what you're doing uh, as just displaying the whole counsel or the whole truth of God, not merely looking at their issues specifically or particularly. But, but application is huge. Um, illustration, application, it, it doesn't it does no good to transfer information if people don't know how to hook onto it. Uh, 
you know, and that's that's one of the things why I believe training is more critical than teaching. To be candid, um, teaching is could be the transfer of information. Training, you know, well, look at the Great Commission, uh, teaching them to observe all things. We we might you know loosely translate that training them to observe all things. It's it's a concept of taking what you have experienced and encountered in the Word of God through the pulpit, but then how do I how do I live that out. I always say that I'll know a sermon hits the mark if on Friday they're chewing on last Sunday's sermon. Wow. And if they're not chewing on last Sunday's sermon, Friday, then, then I feel like I didn't get there. Mm-hmm. All right. The, in, in the normative or smaller size churches, in, in most cases, the pastor is going to be the only staff member. So uh, that he's got to be a general utility field player uh, with lots of stuff to do, uh, and there's lots of stuff to do even in a normal-sized church. What? How does a pastor guard his uh, sermon preparation time? Sure. How does he do that? I, I began a practice as as a very young pastor um, back in 1975. I went to my first little old country church, um, and what I discovered is I needed to plan preaching farther along than for my own benefit because I wanted I wanted the sermon to, to not be what we used to refer to as a Saturday night special. Uh, I wanted that sermon to be planned out so so and and I carried that concept throughout my throughout my ministry. I would plan a year's preaching at a time. Now someone says, well is that spiritual? Well I, th- I think the Holy Spirit can work with you beforehand as easily as he can work with you at an instantaneous moment. So, and, and with that, I would say guard that prep time. Uh, one of the things, as a, as a very young preacher boy, uh, we had what used to be known as the School of the Prophets at, at Dallas, Texas. And, and I remember at, at the inception of that, I remember as a young preacher boy going and listening to Dr. Criswell, and he always talked about guarding your morning. Uh, and I made that a habit personally in my life. Um, I was going to spend the morning with God as much as possible. So, so I would say, guard your prep time. Don't don't let that don't let that get away. And I would also say, be sure that you have a balance in your preaching. One of the things that that really concerns me personally today is I see a disconnect in a lot of preaching from Old and New Testament. We we somehow believe those are two different books, and that that is just theologically wrong. If if I can be so blunt. Uh, you know, they, they are one. You, you'll never find a flower in the New Testament that you don't find the root in the Old Testament. It's just not, it just doesn't exist. So, so with that, I really encourage guys to balance their preaching like that. Plan it a year at a time. Um, and the beauty of that is you can begin to bring in illustration or thought or application uh, in folders because one day you'll, you'll have an illustration. you say, that's going to fit down the road over here, so, so use it. Mm. Uh, in a normative-sized church, I would venture that most of these would be more traditional with a more traditional schedule, perhaps a Sunday night service and a Wednesday night service. How, how does a, a preacher balance and, and coordinate those several times during the week that he's going to be in front of his people in a preaching and, and teaching situation? Uh, how does he coordinate those or differentiate them? Yeah, sadly, uh, 
what, what I see happening today is, is I see the Sunday night service basically vanishing. Um, but if you are fortunate enough to still have a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night schedule, this is, this is what I tried to do. I tried to cast the net on Sunday morning. I really wanted to focus on evangelism, church growth, church membership. How do we bring people? Uh, I tried to train the fishermen on Sunday night. So how do I help you? How do I? That's where we would spend uh, more of a, a teaching time. Um, and then on Wednesday night, we tried to pray for the harvest. A lot of Wednesday night services basically are an organ recital. We talk about the liver organ and the heart organ and the lung organ. But, but how, do, how do we specifically focus on praying for both the lost and for laborers? I think if I, would, if I were to break it down, that would be that simple. Cast a big net. Encourage people to bring those guests, those friends. Cast the net Sunday morning. Train the fishermen Sunday night. Joseph, if, if uh, most churches are under 100, then a lot of the pastors listening to us today are going to be pastoring these normative-sized churches. What, what's the most encouraging word that you could leave for, for that pastor out there of one of these churches? Yeah, l- let me say it in this way. Never forget your call. You re- remember, God put you there, and in order to survive in the normative church, you've got to have a network of pastors around you, some encouragers. And then seek a mentor or a coach, somebody to walk with you. Each week, I coach between two and three pastors, one hour at a time. Uh, Many of them spread across New Mexico. I do it via uh, technology. Uh, Thank God for FaceTime. But, But seek somebody to walk through you, with you, when you hit the valley, and you'll stay, and you'll be blessed by staying. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Joseph Bunce, the Executive Director of the Baptist Convention of New Mexico. Joseph, it's good to see you again. Thanks for being with us on Preaching Source. Thank you, and God bless you, and God bless wonderful Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary.